Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the It Depends podcast. I am your host. My name is Kevin Goldsmith. I am the author of It Depends, writing on technology leadership 2012 to 2022, which comes out on March 4th. So coming really soon now. The the great news is I'm starting to see links for the book, for pre-ordering the book on other book sites. I'm still waiting on the bookshop.org one. The great thing, the reason why I keep promoting this particular website over like Barnes & Noble, where it is available, is because you get to sort of designate your local independent bookstore and they get the benefit uh, if you order from that site. So if you're not ordering from Amazon or uh, Kobo or Barnes & Noble, um, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of local independent bookstores. So that's why I keep promoting that site, even though they haven't listed the book yet. Uh, I got my first uh, box of author's copies today. looks great. I'm excited. I'm very excited to get this into all of your hands. So again, I'll promote the newsletter. The podcast and the newsletter alternate weeks. Uh, and I kind of treat them both as, as sort of the same, kind of, of the same thing. This podcast is going through the book in order, chapter by chapter. The newsletter is going through the book out of order. So it's not like you're getting the same material in both places. There was a question that came up uh, from from somebody who listens to the podcast uh, last episode. I answered the question in the newsletter. I've answered questions from people who read the newsletter on last week's episode of the podcast. I'm just treating them as, as two different sides of the same coin. Again, the best place to find the links to the newsletter, links to this podcast, if you want to share it, links to the book, information about the book. It's all on itdependsbook.net. So if you're looking for one link to share, that's the link to share. The newsletter, if you just want to go straight there, is kevingoldsmith.substack.com. Awesome. Please share it. If this is providing any value to you whatsoever, which hopefully it is because you're listening to me say these words, help me get the word out. This is my first book. I'm not expecting it to be a New York Times bestseller, but I would like a few people to have the opportunity to read it. So let's talk about uh, the topic of this week's podcast. This week's chapter is all about a job search I did in 2020. And I know right now, because folks, friends and, and former coworkers are reaching out to me, I know right now in the industry, there's a lot of folks looking for work. I am very cognizant of that. So this chapter feels a little bit weird um, because when you're out of a job, you're really just trying to find uh, the next job and you're, you don't have the luxury of kind of interviewing around or maybe uh, choosing or, or, or choosing not to choose. So I want to be very aware of that uh, when this, you know, before, before you hear this chapter, and so, you know, acknowledging that this is really more about talking about the case where you have a job uh, and you've decided to move on and you're trying to decide where to go and you have the luxury of time and you have the luxury of choice, meaning you don't have to go anywhere. You can stay where you are. So you're going to find the right place for you. That said, this is the process I used. Um, when I decided to go work for Anaconda and it worked great. Um, it's not a guarantee. I don't work at Anaconda anymore. Um, but I was very happy, 
to to go to Anaconda. I was very happy at Anaconda for a while. So I'm, I think it led me in the right path. I had, uh, I will also talk about before I got to this process, I had been doing sort of what I normally do, uh, which is just talking to different companies, uh, interviewing around. I used to have very much, and maybe I still do have a philosophy of I'll talk to anybody uh, and just see, um, usually not if I'm, I'm happy in a current role, but you know, if I'm starting to think maybe I, maybe it's time for me to go somewhere else, I'll, I'll just talk to anybody. I'll kind of see what they're doing, see if there really is an interest there. It's also just good practice. It, you, interviewing is like any other skill. Practicing helps, uh, makes you more comfortable in the process uh, because of doing things like, you know, my writing. I also sort of appreciate seeing how different companies do that process. So there's an, that's another element of it as well. In this particular process, I'd had the luxury of time, but I hadn't started the process with a deliberate kind of approach that I describe in this chapter. I'd very much been, well, just, you know, talk to people and see how it went. And I think through that is what kind of brought me to this process and towards taking a more diligent and kind of direct or thoughtful approach, which is, I talked to a lot of companies and I just realized one, I didn't know what I was asking for. So I was talking to them. They were asking me legitimate questions and I had bad answers for them or I hadn't considered them or I wasn't sure what I wanted. And so I was just talking to lots of different companies without knowing what I was looking for. And that made it harder to say no it also made it harder to say yes and and to continue the process. Again, having the luxury of time and I could go through and realize, you know what, I'm I'm going about this the wrong way. I'm going to create a more thoughtful, structured, organized process uh, to, to interview companies um, who want to interview me. And like I said, I think it worked out great. I didn't use this process for my current role for a different reason, I wasn't on a job hunt. It was a very opportunistic type of situation where I had the opportunity to kind of get back into an industry. I was excited about music and had worked a lot in in the past. And there were some very specific people I was excited to work with. And that helped, you know, uh, that's the main reason I, I, I did that. So I didn't need to do this whole uh, process for it. However, having done that process for the prior role and having that in my head, I was a lot more prepared for these interviews. And I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was looking for. I knew the kind of questions I wanted to ask. So even in, even if you're not in a hunt or a job search, but you're interviewing for a specific job, or you're just trying to find your next job because you need a job, this process will help you. And so I, I still recommend at least reading through it, trying it out, trying different parts of it out. I will say if you take nothing else from it, having a list of questions written down that you want to ask generally is really helpful because people ask you every time, you know, what do you want to ask me or what should I have asked you or these kinds of very common interview questions and it's really helpful to have something handy. 
so you can go right to it. It sounds like you've been thoughtful. It sounds like you're, you're invested in the, in this process. So I recommend that aspect of it as well. The self-discovery aspect of it, really important as well. I think that that helped me, obviously, and I talk about it in the chapter, it helped me articulate what was important to me, which helped me formulate those questions. Take it or leave it. I think it's useful. But and taking any part of this process or making it your own, it depends on whether it's the right thing for you or the right way to approach it for yourself. But Having some of these ideas being a little bit more deliberate in your process is going to help you. So here is the chapter. Taking a thoughtful approach to the job search process. Originally published on November 2nd, 2020. Does starting a job search fill you with fear? Have you taken roles in the past that you've regretted? When a recruiter or an interviewer asks, what are you looking for? Do you draw a blank? I've been working long enough to have been through dozens of job interview loops. While I think I am pretty good at the process, I have still found myself not ready to answer the what do you want from your next role question. I've also been a hiring manager long enough to have performed hundreds of interviews and seen all levels of answers to similar questions. I completed a new job search in October of 2020. Based on my past interviews and previous job decisions and some frightening moments in my early interviews, I decided to take a more formal approach this time. I often talk and write about being deliberate and thoughtful in my decisions as a leader, so I thought that I should take my own advice. I created the following process to help me in my job search. Identify the things that were important to me in a job, prioritize the criteria that I identified, Figure out how I could evaluate a potential position against my prioritized criteria. Identifying what was important. To make my list of criteria, I used a digital whiteboard tool and listed anything I thought was important in a job to me. Each idea went on a separate card. Real cards would work fine too. Writing them down on paper might be tempting, but you must reorganize and group them. I would absolutely recommend cards or sticky notes or their virtual equivalent for this process. After my brainstorming, I had a set of cards grouped in horizontal rows from top to bottom with different length rows. The vertical and horizontal ordering had no specific meaning beyond a primitive affinity grouping exercise as I created the cards. Prioritizing. My next step was to sort each criterion based on how important it felt to me. After sorting, my cards looked somewhat different. Things in the same row were close in priority. I also sorted the cards in priority from left to right. Then I color-coded them to help me understand the big picture themes. Now I had some helpful information about myself and what I wanted. Some things I had thought were essential weren't nearly as much of a priority when forcibly ranked against others. I learned that the company culture and mission are the most important things to me. After culture and mission are my role responsibilities, compensation and benefits, coworkers, the product, company stage, and finally the tech stack. Enter the spreadsheet. At this point, I realized that given my new strict prioritization, I could rate an opportunity against these criteria more objectively. I exported my notes into a CSV file and loaded them into a spreadsheet. For each criterion, I added a quick explanation so I would understand what it meant when I looked at it later. Then I decided if it was a must-have, and I assigned a score in decreasing order 
based on the ranking I had done. For each criterion, there was a simple yes or no answer. Forcing a definitive decision requires you to make a choice instead of giving partial credit. Each criterion can have a negative, zero, or positive score. The score is negative if the principle is a must-have, but the role does not meet it. The score is zero if the criterion is not a must-have and the position does not meet it. The score is positive if the role meets the principle. Note that not all the must-haves are the top priorities. I made the total of the scores 2,000, because that is a nice round number. Additionally, maintaining a target total forced me to decrease some scores if I wanted to raise others, another definitive decision. I then reviewed my past few jobs and used the spreadsheet to compare them against the criteria. This process wasn't going to be completely objective. For example, rating a job I was in eight years ago against my current standards wouldn't be a completely effective measure of the role. But it let me do some sense checking against my criteria and forced me to think a bit harder about some of them, which slightly adjusted the scores. After that exercise, I could look at each job score to see if it seemed fitting, given my experience. While none of them were perfect, they each felt close enough to a point that I was reasonably happy with the scoring. Rating my previous roles against my current criteria also allowed me to look across them to find patterns and give me more insights about myself. It was interesting to note that while my excitement about the product is central, I've only been excited about three of the last five products I worked on before I started the job. While having a good technology challenge is vital, I similarly only felt that in about three of my last five roles. I learned that while each is important, other factors can compensate for its lack. I also know that I am quite good at finding things about a product that can excite me, so that isn't as much of a concern to me as it would seem. Creating Interview Questions For each of my criteria, I created a set of sample questions that I could use to help me evaluate a job. Given that my initial list of criteria was 39 items long, the list of questions ended up spanning five pages. I did not expect answers to all of these questions from an interviewer. Instead, the questions were prompts to help me think of ways to evaluate the company in an interview situation. I knew that if I did my due diligence in the interview process, I could answer any of these questions for the company. The process was analogous to building interview questions for hiring someone in a company. You start with your company values or career ladder benchmarks and use them to generate questions for a candidate. My tenants list came from my prioritization exercise, and now I was developing the queries I needed to answer so that I could figure out how to score the role against them. As I interviewed with different companies, I had the question prompts in front of me. If you've ever been in an interview and the interviewer asks you, do you have any questions for me? and you can't think of anything immediately, having five pages of questions in your eyeline is very helpful. As I went through the interview processes, I reviewed my notes for each company to decide how comfortable I was rating them against my criteria. In some cases, I requested a couple of extra conversations to ensure I had a minimum confidence level. Making a decision. Once I got to an offer stage, having my ratings was valuable in evaluating the specific offer and deciding if I wanted to extend the process to get to the offer stage with one of the other companies I was interviewing with. While there were a few companies I was excited about, my ratings made it clear that one company was the best fit for me. When we negotiated an offer I was happy with, I confidently accepted it. Doing this yourself. If this process seems like something you want to employ, I can recommend it, but it is worth understanding the limitations. This process gave me a sense of objectivity, but it's still subjective. My feelings about my past jobs are all colored by my experiences working at them for years. 
Had I used this process when I interviewed, would I have predicted how the role would have turned out accurately? Probably not. Although I might have focused more on specific areas in the interview process. If I ever leave my new job, it will be worth doing this exercise again for the company to see how my feelings changed over my tenure. My ability to judge an opportunity against 39 criteria during an interview round of some hours will always be suspect. In addition, there will always be some bias based on my experience during the interview process itself. You must be very careful when creating your list of criteria not to fall victim to social desirability bias. For example, are the items in the list things you care about or something you think you should care about? The prioritization process can help with this, but it's still an easy trap. My evaluation of my past roles showed that my favorite jobs only satisfied around 80% of my criteria. This result seemed a bit off, even adjusting for the what I want now versus the what I wanted then bias. I was least happy with the roles that were less than 60% of a match. While the percentage matches weren't perfect in absolute numbers, they were different enough in relative numbers for me to be comfortable with my criterion. I rescanned my priorities to see if they resulted from social desirability bias. Still, I think it was my criterion evolving based on my experiences. While there are some limitations to the objectivity of the process, I found building my criteria, generating questions based on them, and evaluating my past roles extremely valuable. It made me think about what I wanted at this career stage and what I appreciated and disliked about my former positions. In addition, this exercise helped me to be much more self-aware when talking to recruiters and people at each company. Thanks to this process, I was able to cut short interview loops when it became apparent that the job wouldn't meet my criteria. I could say no to jobs that I might have otherwise interviewed for in the past. When I found the proper role for me, I accepted it without fear of missing out on another position. While you may not want to create as formal of a process as I did when looking for a new role, if you take one thing away from this chapter, let it be that it is worth spending some time to think through your past positions, where you want to go in your career, and what is important to you in a job. Having that self-awareness in an interview process will give you a better sense of the questions you are trying to answer and a higher confidence level when you interview. So that was taking a thoughtful approach to the job search process. Hopefully it was helpful to you. Hopefully it will be helpful to you. There's a lot of stuff missing, obviously, in the audiobook because this chapter in particular has a bunch of images uh, showing the things that I'm talking about. Hopefully enough was conveyed in the audio that you get at least a good sense of it. Again, good reason to buy the book. I will say, uh, as I, much as I suggested I should do, uh, I did look back at Anaconda using this criteria after I left. Again, as I said, it's really hard to do that, you know, kind of look backwards and, and try and keep the same sort of open mind you had before you worked there. What I'll tell you is the reasons why I was ready to leave the company had very much to do with what the company's intents for its future were, and the plans and the stuff that I was particularly excited to work on didn't quite work out the way I'd wanted it to. That made me more open to looking at something else. So, you know, looking back, I'm still happy with how this process helped me make that decision. I want to revisit something I talked about before the chapter. 
And it's about the idea of enthusiasm and, and being interested in a job interview process. There's a blog post I wrote called interviewing as a developer in an employer's market. And I wrote this during the downturn that, well, that we're in some ways we're still living in. So it wasn't that long ago. I didn't include it in the book because it's a bit of a bummer (laughs) at best. But for those of you who are trying to find a new role, have been caught in recent layoffs, I will recommend it to you. I will include a link in the show notes to it. In this post, I'm writing about revisiting my own experiences where I was, I'd left Microsoft to go to a startup and then the, the 2001 recession hit and startup went under, I was looking for a job for a while and it was a very, it was a novel experience for me, but I learned some stuff from that and some things I saw in folks who'd been in similar situations when I got, uh, I went, I ended up going back to Microsoft and I was in now interviewing people who were coming from a very similar situation to me. I saw some things in that interview, which I realized I'd had the same problem. When you look for a job for a long time and you miss out on jobs that you by all rights should have gotten. And it's not about you. It's about there's a lot of people looking and employers really have their choice. And for most of us, even folks of my age, we're used to being in a in tech especially in software development, being in a job seekers market, not an employer's market, which means we're used to employers competing for us, not the other way around. Having now been through several different downturns in the industry, 2001, 2008, and so on, I've been lucky. I haven't had an experience like I had in 2001 again, just been lucky to be in the right companies at the right time. But that's luck. And I know it's luck. And so I'm also, you know, interviewing people and I'm very aware of some of the things that happen when you've been interviewing for a long time and you've been unable to find a job and you're missing out on jobs you think you should have gotten and how demoralizing that can be. And then how that makes you show up in a job interview. If you are one of these people in this position, the chapter I just read will help you. It will help you be interested and be excited you should read that blog post as well, because I think that will also help you. The important part, and I saw this and I realized I'd, I'd had the same problem. After missing out on a few things you think you, by all rights you should have gotten, you go, you start to show up in interviews as defeated. And I'm not going to get this job any, anyway kind of energy. And that is horrible. You know, obviously, it makes it harder to get a job. And I think for me, one of the things I realized was... I had to, no matter how demoralized I was coming into an interview process, I had to be excited and I had to be energetic. And even if it was for a job I had no interest in, in, I just needed a job. This had to be the, this had to seem like this was the most exciting thing to me in the entire world. And if you're struggling right now, I feel for you. It sucks. I speak from experience. It will get better. The industry is continuing to change. These are cyclic events. The cycles change. That's cold comfort when you're been unemployed for a few months. But 
speaking from direct personal experience, it will get better. Persevere. And again, I'm going to refer you to that chapter because I give you a lot of unusually for me, very specific things that you can do about, and it covers also just saving your money and, 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 and thinking and how you think about applying for jobs differently when you're in that situation versus kind of the normal market that, that a lot of us are used to. So I'm going to recommend that just for folks in that situation. There's no questions this week. Uh, just didn't get any because I'm answering them in different places. You know, I go through them. I would love more. Please send me your questions about anything. Contact at itdependsbook.net. Delighted to answer them. And I will answer them either here or I'll answer them in the newsletter, whichever is the next venue. I hope to see you on the next podcast in two weeks, but I will see you next week on the newsletter. I have some other stuff um, coming up later this year. I'm going to be talking about soon. Conference season is starting. And so I'm now uh, starting to book conferences and things. And so there'll be some stuff I'll talk about there. I'm also obviously kind of leading up to the book. I'm appearing on other people's podcasts. I have a bunch of those coming out in the next uh, few weeks. And I'll, I'll mention those and link to them from here and in the newsletter as well. Hope all of you have a good week and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for listening. Please, again, subscribe, rate, share episodes of this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again. I'll see you soon. Thanks to Answers to April for the music in this podcast. This podcast is a production of Unit Circle Media.